Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey guys, it's Kayla. I am so happy you're able to join me today because we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. And that's okay. And if you feel like you're good at a lot of things and not great at one specific thing, this episode is for you. Being a multi-hyphenate is amazing and can be your strong suit. This episode is all about finding the profession that is right for you, whether you're just out of school or you're looking to pivot in your life. Maybe you're interested in finding a little side hustle that makes your heart sing. Christina Wallace is here to help us with that. She is a writer, podcaster, serial entrepreneur, and theater producer. Christina spent about a decade building businesses in New York City, and she is currently a senior lecturer at Harvard Business School. She's an active startup mentor and an angel investor. She holds her undergraduate degrees in mathematics and theater studies from Emory University and an MBA from Harvard. In her free time, she likes to sing in choirs, climb mountains, run marathons, and guest on podcasts like this one. So without further ado, here is my lovely conversation with Christina Wallace. And I am here with Christina Wallace. Christina, thank you for joining me today. 
Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. This is going to be one of the most productive episodes that we have had on this podcast because truly, I think your book is something that should have existed a long time ago. And I'm so happy that it does exist now because the idea that you're supposed to know exactly what you want to do with your lives at a really young age feels so archaic. And Mm -hmm. yet... (laughs) Most business fundamentals today still run on this crazy idea and this crazy notion. So you're here to offer us a different perspective. The question, what do you want to be when you grow up, is one of the most common. It implies that we all have a single linear path that is destined and it is our future. And that's incorrect, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea that there is a linear path for anyone in a world that is changing this fast is preposterous, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I give the example, I locked in the text of this book in November of 2022 before anyone had ever heard the phrase chat GPT. <laughs> and look how fast everything has already changed, right? Everything AI, 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 like we, we can't get enough of it. Mm. And so that like, if you were picking who you wanted to be when you grew up, five, six, seven months ago, there's a whole piece of our collective future that wouldn't be on your radar. Mm. And that's less than a year ago, right? So yeah. so the the concept of 40 years doesn't exist. The concept even of like five years when you're early in your career yeah. is probably not accurate either. Mm-hmm. It's a lot closer to like, what do you want to learn next? Oh. And what do you need while you're learning that, right? Is there a certain set of needs you have to take care of? Income needs, family needs, flexibility needs that might determine the type of job you take or how you piece together your income streams. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be Pollyanna-ish. Like, (laughs) you got to take care of your life. And (laughs) two things can be true. And what do you want to learn next? Like, that's really the mindset I think most people, especially in the first 10 to 15 years of your career can and should be be putting on as they're kind of zigzagging their way through. As you get a little more progressed in your in your career, you might have a sense of like, okay, this industry, that function, these perspectives that I bring to the table, but even then, it's not going to be linear. Mm. Even then, you have to be open-minded and really creative as to put together, what do I bring to the table and which worlds is that valuable right now? Yeah. And you you begin your book talking about your grandfather's career and life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that compared to your mother's career and life, yeah. I think that that was such a mind-blowing example for me. Can you just for just give us the short version of that so that our listeners sure. can truly understand <laughs> what you're talking about? So my grandfather built cars on the assembly line for General Motors for Mm. over 40 years. He was a union worker. He had one year of college after he came back from from World War II. And he welded chassis for four decades, sent all three kids to college, had a stay-at-home wife, bought a house, made a life for himself. Same job, same same, literally same job for 40 years. They tried to promote him once. And he's like, I don't want to manage my friends. <laughs> like, no, thank you. Wow. My mom has been an administrative assistant for her entire career. So at least, you know, same function, but even she has had to zig and zag and sort of the context that she works in the skills that 
She's constantly upskilling, learning new computer programs, learning new applications and contexts. But even then, she's had one path and has been able to be quite linear in that on a salary, with health insurance, in a way, you know, she was a single mom with two kids. She couldn't really pay for college for us, but like she still could somehow make it work. And neither of those paths, A, exist at a, an income level or at a stability that you could raise a family on today. But B, this notion that you could have a thing for your life is like, it's gone. It, like the pace of disruption, once you layer in technological, ecological, and geopolitical disruption, these things that used to be like once in a, a, a lifetime, once in a generation, really kind of rare moments, these are becoming things that were like, oh, yeah, that was last Tuesday. <laughs> you know, like they're just the new normal. And so it, it ends up being much more about an emergent strat strategic mindset rather than a deliberate one because mm -hmm. you can't predict the future. Right. And so you're here to help us get a game plan in order because a lot of the listeners on this podcast are in, in that sort of pivotal time in their life where... Mm -hmm. What am I going to do with my life? Where should I go next? Well, I mean, these big life decisions that can really bog us down and sometimes mm -hmm. stunt us. Um, and so the idea is that you don't have to know exactly what you want to do. You just mm -hmm. want to start to take the next step. It's You say it's not about education, it's about action. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to help us sculpt a life that combines work, relationships and interest. And this is a big one, rest. Yes. And all in equal <laughs> measure. And I think this is so important. It's so mm -hmm. important. And so take us through it. Let's start sure. from the beginning. So I think one of the scariest things, especially when you're start first starting out is like, I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what I, I want. Right? Like, mm -hmm. Those are really hard sometimes to pin down. You don't have enough information on either front yet right, when right. you're 22, 25, 30. <laughs> and so the the idea that you could choose a path feels overwhelming because you're yeah. like, I don't have enough information. Mm -hmm. So part of this method is take the information you do have on those fronts. Who are you? What do you need? And what do you want? And then piece together activity streams, collections of things that you do, like bring it down a notch, right? Like, don't think about this as like your career. Think about it as like, what's the portfolio of things I do today? And if and when my needs change, my wants change, I change, I change my portfolio. I rebalance it just like a financial portfolio. So you're not committed to one thing forever, like bring it down a notch. And instead, really just start from what do I bring to the table? Who am I? What am I interested in? What skills do I have? What networks do I have access to? And if you're not sure about any of those things, if you're like, I've been staring at this blank piece of paper for an hour and I don't have anything written down, go out and talk to the people who know you and love you and ask them who you are. Ask them, when have you been happiest? And what do they come to you for? Like, what's that moment? You're like, I should see what Kayla has to think about this. <laughs> and where do you stand out? Maybe you have a superpower you don't even recognize because it's so easy for you. But to everyone else, you're like, whoa, how does she do that? 
So start by getting some information on who you are, what you bring to the table. Then think about what do I need for this chapter of my life? Those needs can be really specific, like I need this much money to pay my student loans and my rent and still have $12 left to eat on. Like that could be like that, but it could also be things like I need a creative community. And maybe my good enough day job like covers my income needs and my stability needs and my health insurance needs, but it's not giving me my creativity or my community needs. That's totally fine. One job doesn't have to meet all of your needs, but you need to be aware of those needs so that as you piece together these different streams, you say, okay, if the day job isn't giving me that community or that creative burst, how can I get that in other ways? And can I pause for a moment and just, mm-hmm. I want to make sure we address moonlighting because this is yes. something that you talk about in your book that I think a lot of people are doing but aren't aware there's a term for it and are, mm-hmm. are maybe feel alone in it, mm-hmm. but will actually realize that there are a lot of people doing it. So what's the difference between moonlighting and having a side hustle? Yeah, so a side hustle is very explicitly something that you monetize. And I I don't love the term hustle. I think it comes with a little bit of baggage and also a little bit of like co-opting language from specific cultures. But it, it often comes with this idea that like you have to rustle up some money to like make ends meet. It can come from a place of like scarcity and need. And just because you're doing something on the side doesn't mean A, you have to monetize it or B, that like you should or have to do this thing in order to make your life work. So A moonlighting project is something really just that you do in great depth, something that you're committed to and you love or care deeply about on the side of your, quote, day job. And this could be a small business, a consulting practice. It could be a a side hustle, something you make money from. But it also could just be something that you really care about and that you need in your life. It's meeting some needs for you. It could be that you're working on your novel or you're learning how to code because you've always wanted to learn that and you don't know why or how you're going to use this. And that's not the point. It could be that you are getting a certification that you have always really wanted, right? Whatever that thing is, maybe you just love making really elaborate cakes for all of your friends, you know, kids' birthday parties, What, whatever that is. It's just something that you do and you love and it meets some of your needs. And what I love about Moonlighting is that in many cases, it ends up being something that can become your day job that you start with it just on the side, just as something you were curious about or interested in or because it gave you something you were missing. And then over time, you're de-risking the business or you're building some confidence in the thing that you're doing there. And you realize like, oh, this could be what I do for real. But because you started from a place of moonlighting, it's much easier to make that transition. It's not just like one day you wake up and say, I'm going to quit my job and become a baker. (laughs) Right. What are you doing, Kayla? (laughs) Well, and it is one of those things where you see how people tend to thrive when the pressure's off. And I think that's one of the keys to success in moonlighting is that, you know, you're doing something 
for the creativity, for the love mm-hmm. of it. And then you end up shining, you know, mm-hmm. because there's zero pressure. And a lot of us can crumble under pressure, myself included. So I really understand that. And it's interesting sure. when I was reading about the moonlighting specifically, this podcast came to mind because when we first mm-hmm. started it, it was like, well, let's just do it for fun. We need something interesting to keep our brains, you know, learning and growing. We're not in school anymore and we miss mm-hmm. that and we want to learn. And then suddenly it we found, well, everyone else wants to learn too. Actually, people really do want to learn. And so we're all in this together and it Mm -hmm. became so much more. And so it's important for me to keep that existing and happening because it really is such an important part of life. I I particularly think whatever that thing is that it brought you joy or growth or creativity or community or whatever that reason is you started with the moonlighting, it's important you don't lose that element if and when you turn it into the day job, the main business, you start to monetize it, whatever that is. Because I think there are many people that are like, I love doing this thing. And the second I made it my my business, I lost all the joy in it. And you're like, okay, so it's not meeting the needs that you originally were meeting through this. And maybe, maybe you don't want this to be the side hustle. Maybe it really just is the hobby that you love and you do as a source of pleasure and not a source of profit. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we're back. I think it's important. There's such a huge part of your book about getting comfortable with failure. And I think that is such a huge thing that we cannot just ignore because being comfortable with failure sounds hard. It sounds really hard and it sounds like something that I don't really want to deal with and I don't really want to do. But I think it's it's a really important aspect of it to understand Mm -hmm. that failure is good and that we're all going to fail. And so when you're failing, you realize, okay, this is my turn to do this. There's another path for me and it's okay. And being okay and accepting yourself for that. And also knowing that like we all do want each other to fail at certain points, because if you succeeded at everything all the time, you would never feel like you had to work hard at anything. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're not failing at anything, then you're not you're not really trying. You're not pushing yourself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, at all. Right. mm -hmm. Like you're playing it safe. And and I I bring up failure in the book because this entire model, the portfolio life is sort of based on financial portfolios and portfolio theory. And the idea there is there's a relationship between risk and reward. You got to take some chances if you really want the big outcomes in life. But if you're afraid of failure. And I really define failure as any time it doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to. Like, it's a pretty, pretty straightforward definition once you're like, oh, so it could be because something I did. Maybe I wasn't good enough. I wasn't prepared enough. I didn't try enough. But it could also be because of something outside of me. The circumstances were right. The economy changed. My collaborators changed their mind and I didn't have the right team anymore, right? It's not always your fault, but you might still fail. And so coming to grips with you don't always have control, (laughs) which is a really scary thing when you actually finally recognize it. I think many of us, especially the overachievers, and we went all the way through school and we really learned how to play that game because that game is really well-defined it's laid out, you get a syllabus, you know how you're graded. For the most part, it's the same game for like 16 years of your life. And then you get out in the real world and you're like, where's my syllabus? How am I supposed to know in six months? Like, where's my grades? Did I do a good job or not? And you're like, I don't get any of this information anymore. It's really hard. And so we start those, and I put myself in this category, the overachievers among us, we start really worrying about like, well, if I try this thing and it doesn't work out, does that mean like, I'm not good at that thing? Is that like an F? Or is that like a B minus? And like, am I okay with a B minus? I don't, I don't, both of those seem scary. So I'm not going to try at all. And so it becomes this self limiting behavior that you, you stop taking chances. Because it, it undermines this narrative of like, but I, 
I succeed. I am an overachiever. I am talented and smart and all the things that our parents have been telling us since we were three. And, and, you know, I, I love it. I do too. I have a three-year-old. I tell her those things too. And (laughs) you are still those things, even if you take a chance and it doesn't work out. So how do we see ourselves beyond our job then? Because I think that's really hard, especially in this, you know, it seems like our culture nowadays is very pro, you know, working hard and and defining yourself and who you are and so much of who you are is what you do. And Mm -hmm. how can we change that narrative? So it starts with really kind of pulling up one level of like, it's not even just what you do for work. It's like beyond what you do for work right this second, right? Like whatever that that title is on LinkedIn, like that's how you monetize your time and talents today. You are so much more than that. And so part of this is like, you have to recognize all the other things that you are, whether it is based on a a relationship, a skill, a love, a, a gift that you bring to the table, whatever that is. I call myself a human Venn diagram. And I have been very clear that like, I have always lived at the intersections right? I am interdisciplinary. That is what I do. And and that's how I show up in any room. And without that, you don't understand me. <laughs> and, and, and I've made that how I introduce myself. Literally, it was on my dating apps back in the day when I was still dating. And so part of it is like, figure out the story you tell yourself about mm-hmm. who you are, right? This is why this whole model starts with your identity. Mm-hmm. Who are you beyond how you monetize your time? Are you a sister? Are you a creative? Are you an analyst? Are you a U.S. world soccer team junkie? (laughs) Like all of the things, those are all part of who you are. And find that narrative for yourself. Mm. And then be proactive about sharing that narrative with other people. Mm -hmm. Because then you're not going to be limited to your resume or your LinkedIn as you kind of zig and zag through these different chapters of your life. I'm so happy you brought up zigzag because you have this term in your book called zigzagger. And on this podcast, we we call it pivoting. And I've found that most of these highly successful, creative, lovely individuals have had moments in their life where they do these huge pivots, where they were on one trajectory and they stopped and completely did a 180 and went somewhere else. And, and so it really is, it's real. These aren't just terms this isn't just advice. This is people living real lives with big success stories where they decide halfway through their life or even later on that they don't want to do this anymore, that this isn't actually what they wanted to do. And you used one of your friends. An example in the book is one of your friends who has always always wanted to be a doctor. And she was successful in her own right, but then decided halfway through her life, like, no, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go to med school. And now is exactly, is doing exactly what she wants to do. But it's a combination of who she was before, who she is now. And so, you know, it can be really scary to make those big steps. And we've all been there. And anyone listening who wanted to make that big step and hasn't yet, that's okay. It's okay. We get it. But we're here to encourage you to take the next step and be bold and brave and just freaking do it because you live one life. You live one life and you only have a few times in your life to make those big pivots. And Mm -hmm. so just go for it. Go for it. I mean, I I jokingly, but not so jokingly say I'm reclaiming YOLO because (laughs) you do only live once. And I refuse to let anyone mock me over that phrase. But this is, this is exactly right, right? Like, if you're not dead, you still have options. (laughs) You still can make that pivot. You're 82. You're like, you know what? I've always wanted to blank. 
<laughs> go for it. You can do it. So the, the big limitation, there are sort of two limitations to making these kind of pivots. One is internal and one is external. The internal one is when you have to figure out how to explain to yourself why we're making this change. I promise you, everyone outside of you will understand this pivot, this zigzag, once you do. But if you don't believe it, and you're like, oh, I was doing this, and now I'm doing that, and it absolutely makes no sense, but like, I'm going to do it anyway, they're going to be like, yeah, she's this chick is a flake. Like, she can't make up her mind. But if you can find that thread, you brought up my friend, Kat, she literally just graduated from Columbia Medical School last week. She's starting her OB-GYN residence at UPenn. And she, you know, at 32 is like, I've been a teacher. I've loved it. Science teacher. I've always loved science. And I want to still make an, a positive impact on people's lives. I love understanding science. I love advocating for people. And I want to do it in a different path. I want to do it in a way that I always wanted to do it, but never was willing to take that chance. And now here's my story about why I'm going to medical school at 34, you know? And so you have to find that story first. That's the internal work. The external limitation is usually one of resources. One of, do I have enough runway to make that pivot? I'm mixing all sorts of metaphors here, but you get the idea. And the big one there is often financial resources. So I, I point to this as a whole chapter in the book on money because this is a, a, a meaningful part of this life. If you want to have the space to zigzag, to make a big change, you need to make sure you have the, the support, the resources, the capacity to do that. And if that means you have to shovel away money in your F-off fund for weeks or months or years in order to make that shift, this is the intentionality about it. You can't just wake up one morning and say, I think I'm going to go to Hollywood and be an actress. I mean, I guess you could, but if you have other mouths to feed, if you have student loan payments to make, uh, that is the flaky part. That is the irresponsible side of this life. So there's some work to be done on how do I make sure I have not just financial resources, but the network I need, the relationships I need, the support of my partner if I have one. How do I make sure that all of the pieces I can get in place to allow me to make this pivot? It's still going to be uncomfortable and hard and unsure, but it's going to be so much more doable if you do that work in advance. Yeah, it's so true. And I think this goes hand in hand with crafting your portfolio. And I know that's such a huge part of your book. Can you speak on that just a little bit? Because I feel like we can't have this interview without touching base on that because that is a huge key to success. And I think that sometimes, you know, getting your resume and your portfolio together, and even if you have the support of your loved one or you, you know, that's a huge thing that kind of can stop people up for lack of a better term. Sorry about that. But, you know, they can kind <laughs> of block their path and block their yeah. view of success. Yeah. I mean, this is where it really starts when you're matching what do you need and what do you want, right? So, Again, the needs can be very, very specific. I need this much money. I need this kind of flexibility, right? When, when my friend Kat was making her pivot and going back to medical school, she had to do two years of post-back classes, prereqs that she didn't take her first time around when she was in college. And to do that, she had to quit her job as a teacher. Like she literally couldn't be teaching all day long and be taking these classes. So she had to figure out 
what is the business model for how I'm going to get cash in the door in order to support these two years? Because once she got into medical school at Columbia, she had a full ride. But before then, she had to get some support in some way. So there's some pieces of this of like, how do I get what I need in order to make this work? And that can be both on the the top line. I talk about this a lot in terms of business models. I'm an entrepreneurship professor. This is the world I'm in. If that doesn't resonate for you, find a different metaphor. But the idea is like, it could be about how how do I get money in the door, but it also can be how do I reduce my needs change my burn rate, reduce my expenses to give me some of that flexibility? And then how do I put together these pieces that don't make me burn out? I'm not over committing my time, but also make sure I'm meeting my needs. I'm not just earning money and then working my butt off and I'm so exhausted I don't have time for this thing that I'm trying to pivot into. So it really is like it's a bit of science and a bit of art to kind of pull this together. But what do I need for this chapter? And then what do I want? And I, I have this exercise in the book, A Hundred Wishes, because I think this is, this is so crucial to not just think about, well, what do I want right now? Or what do I want for my career? I think it's really easy to follow some of those wants because they're often laid out really clearly for us. But I ask you to, to you know, gather some post-it notes or whatever your f- favorite form of writing implement and and list out a hundred wishes for your life. It doesn't sound that hard until you start doing it. And then you, most people run out of steam at like 30. <laughs> You're like, I'm supposed to have a hundred? I think it sounds hard. I think a hundred wishes is really hard. Sometimes even coming up with 10 things that I, I it, it can be difficult and really confrontive. But, but then it pushes you to re- realize like, oh, wait, I want my life to be more than just my job right? So I have wishes in there around the types of relationships I want to have with my children when they're adults. I have wishes about what I want to do with my marriage and what I care about with my family before my mother passes or the relationship with my sister. I have wishes about adventures that I want to take. I have wishes about I want to have like a commune with my bestie cat when we're like 80 wearing caftans on the beach with like you know, glasses with umbrellas in them, all of these things. I have ambitions, I have love, I have everything from from left to right, really trying to to graph out in in specific detail, like what is the imprint of my life look like? Because once you do that, and then you start bucketing some of those, you know, you put them into categories, you realize that like, no matter how focused you are in your career, no matter how ambitious you are, and I am pretty darn ambitious, it is only one piece of your life. And so as you pull together your portfolio, this became really meaningful to me when I was just when I was turning 30. I was like, I want a family. I want a partner. I've been dating in New York City for a decade. It's terrible. And I'm still single. (laughs) And like, what am I going to do about it? And on the one hand, it felt really desperate. (laughs) And on the other hand, I was like, wait, if this matters to me, I have to make space for it. I have to invest energy in it. If I say this is something I want. And so I literally made one of my projects for that year. Like, how am I going to create a sales funnel for dating (laughs) so that I can find a relationship. And I put the work in just like it was anything else on my plate. 
I said, you know, what am I looking for in a partner? Being really clear about what that relationship looks like before I start going on dates. Being thoughtful about how I, you know, structure those early dates, but they're not taking over my life, but I am still making sure I get a meaningful kind of volume <laughs> pipeline, if you will. And then once I found my husband, and I did very quickly once this, this project began, I, I knew, I knew it was so clear and easy because I knew ahead of time what success looked like. And I knew it was him. And we have been together ever since. So it's, you say it matters, then make space for it. Put it in your portfolio, carve out the time, give yourself the mental and whatever energy you need to, the resources you need to, to make it happen. And that's as true about whether you want to write the great American novel or launch the next killer app or find your one or whatever that is. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we're back. I know you kind of touched a little bit on work-life friction and work-life balance, and that's something that we have talked about a lot on this podcast and people continually talk about. But uh, truly... I think it's so hard to figure out what that is. And do you feel it's different for every person? And how were you able to figure that out? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a little bit different for every person. But I think more importantly, I think it's different for different chapters of your life. So when you are first starting out, maybe you're young, single, super ambitious, maybe you're on like one of these fast track white collar jobs, you might be pulling long hours for a couple of years to get established or to get the track record, the relationships, the experience you need. If that is a path that you want, 
there is no way through <laughs> without doing that. But there are still ways to set boundaries. There are ways to not, you know, metaphorically kill yourself for a company, a manager, a job that has going to have no loyalty to you should things get rocky on the other side. So there is some sort of self-awareness of like, even if this is a season of my life where I'm investing a lot in one piece of that portfolio, maybe it's that career, I'm still not giving it all of me. I'm still taking care of my health. I'm still making time for my friends and my family. I'm still making sure there's something about me, my love, my identity, my what I see when I look in the mirror that's not just my job. Think about it this way. If you went to a dinner party and they said, you can't talk about your day job, would you have anything else to say? If the answer is no, you have a balance problem. <laughs> and so this could be as simple as like, this is where I nerd out in, you know, the, the corner of TikTok I love or, you know, the, the thing that I've been curious about since I was six. I'm obsessed with origami, whatever that thing is. If you don't have something you could talk about at a dinner party that's not your job, you got to fix it. So there will be chapters of your life. I am in a chapter of my life right now where I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And that's exactly husband. what I have. <laughs> I, I have a one-year-old and Do a three-year-old. Yes. And that is... So you understand this deeply. <laughs> this is a chapter of life where the children, it's a very physical form of parenting. You are constantly like picking them up and putting them down and kissing the boo-boo and holding them tight. And I live on a third floor walk up and I do the drop off and the pick up from daycare more days than not. And it's physically exhausting. Also, the one-year-old still doesn't sleep through the night. And they are constantly sick, constantly sick. So what I need in this season of my life is flexibility and autonomy I need a role where I'm not managing anyone. And frankly, no one is managing me. <laughs> I need an office with a door that closes because sometimes I need either quiet time or a nap or both. All of those things made it very clear when I was approaching this season of my life that I didn't want to go start another startup. That was inconsistent with what I needed. So that made sense for me to make this shift and become a professor of entrepreneurship for this season because those needs are being met through this different season. Now, there are other things that being a professor isn't meeting. I'm, I am staying kind of in the world of startups and related to technology, but I still want to be on the forefront of what is happening. So I'm angel investing in startups. I also, I love the arts. The arts have been part of my life, my entire life. And I don't have time to perform right now. I don't have time to go play or sing in a choir. And so I'm investing in Broadway. I'm doing, I'm finding ways to stay connected to those worlds that are sort of light touch, but still meaningfully connected so that when I'm ready to rebalance, I can go and give that a little bit more and maybe pull down some of my flexibility, <laughs> my, my sick days can can be rebalanced. So you see what I mean? That's this is all very personal to you, your priorities, your you know commitments, and the season of life you're in. 
I love when you refer it to the se- when you refer to the season of your life because it do- again takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure. It's this is now. It's not always. It's, it's not, not forever. forever. It could change Correct. next week. It could change when the one year old starts kindergarten. <laughs> watch out, world! <laughs> Here comes your next startup. I love the idea of reclaiming YOLO. I think it's uh, amazing, and I think it's something that we will piggyback and we will help you reclaim because <laughs> it's so true. You know, we do only live once and it's important to make it the life we want to live and not live in fear and just go for it. And I think your book has so much value to it. And, you know, we do have a lot of younger listeners on this podcast. Before I let you go, what advice would you give someone who's just trying to figure out their life and with all the zigs and zags of it and what it might look like? Yeah, I mean, I don't, envy anyone getting started right now because there's just even more uncertainty than you and I had. But I think the big thing right now that I would tell anyone is don't be afraid of things that are hard. And don't be afraid of things that you're not sure you'll succeed at. Because everything that matters is hard. Everything that matters is hard. And everything truly that matters is not going to have a clear outcome before you get started. So these are muscles that you have to develop. It's not really even comfort with these things. It's just familiarity. So you say, okay, I recognize this feeling. You know, it's like, so I've been on stage now my entire life. I started piano at four. I've been performing in some context for, I don't know, 35 years now. I still get nervous before I go on stage for a talk, I give my TED talk, or I go on, you know, uh, the Today Show, I still get nervous. But I recognize the physiology of what my body does when it gets nervous. And I've learned how to counteract it. I've learned how to breathe slower. I've learned how to listen to specific music, or to tune out whatever's going on, to go through my talking points. I've learned how to manage these moments of discomfort. They don't go away, but I, I'm familiar with them and I've got a toolkit for managing them. And I think it's the same thing. Your whole life is ahead of you. You cannot possibly imagine what's coming, good and bad. <laughs> so your job is to build these muscles of comfort and familiarity around hard things, around scary things, around difficult conversations and around boundaries. And that just takes time. You're not going to get it right. You're going to have a decade of disasters ahead of you. And I say that with love. (laughs) Yeah. But every one of them is going to teach you something. And you're going to learn a little bit more about yourself and the world as you go. Your students are so lucky to have you as a professor. I can imagine being so grateful to be in your class and you have so much to share. And thank you for writing The Portfolio Life. You guys, it's available now. You can get it anywhere books are sold. It's also available on Audible. And if you love Christina Wallace like I do, please check out her podcast as well because there's just so much value that you have to give. So thank you for joining me today. I'm really grateful. And there's a lot of people who can really benefit from this. So I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for having me. You know, there's so many 
episodes and books and things about career. And what I love so much about Christina's perspective is it takes all the stress out of it. It takes all the pressure out of it. And she breaks it down to what do you love to do? Let's figure out what works for you. And her book has so many active things that will help us figure out our paths. And I love the idea of our path not being linear and zig and zagging through life and experiences and and taking all the pressure out and just enjoying it. And I really loved our conversation. If this is something that you feel is right for you, I highly recommend her book, The Portfolio Life. It is big and there is so much to it. We really only scratched the surface. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. We have another great one coming for you next week. Until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions, hosted by me, Kayla Yule. Produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions. Editing by Diane Kang. Post-production sound by Coco Lawrence. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.